I love seeing all those kids. <laughs> um, our scripture today is Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 20. As you're looking that up, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit more about the connect um, circles. That's my circle. Sorry. Plug in myself. Connect circle. <laughs> there's lots of different circles. Most of them meet just after this service, and there's one that meets before. So you already missed that one. But if you're interested in joining any of those, anyone would be welcome. You'd be welcome at any of them, and we'd love to have you. Um, it's a good time to join if it's not something that you've been a part of before. I was um, practicing this scripture last night, and Neil pointed out that it sounds like like at a boxing match when they're talking about the opponents and they're sort of saying, you know, this guy is the best in the world and all the wonderful titles that he's won. This is kind of what it's talking about, God, like just boasting about how awesome he is. So I'm not going to talk in an announcer voice, but maybe you can imagine that I'm <laughs> talking that way. Okay, Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 20. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Excited to uh, be here to kick this off this week. I've uh, been excited about this series for a while. Also a little bit nervous because when you talk about families or marriages and parenting and things like that, there's a lot of opinions out there. And I'm like, well, I'm going to offend somebody, no doubt, within the next few weeks, if not the next few minutes. But I'm excited to share about this. And, and this, uh, this series, Heaven on Earth... Uh, and a vision, a fresh vision for the family. Uh, I'm afraid that between the, the graphics and, and just the title, Heaven on Earth, that it probably gives off the wrong impression. So I just want to take a moment at the beginning of this series to talk about kind of where this all came from. Uh, you know, in ministry, we do some professional development stuff like most career things. Uh, I'm not 
as required. It's not as structured, perhaps, but we still we go to conferences and workshops. We read books and things. And one of the things we study a lot is leadership, which you know a lot of people in the business world and all study leadership. Small business owners and people in management positions and different things have to study leadership stuff. And one of the things that if you've ever studied leadership or read a leadership book or whatever, one of the things that comes up all the time is vision, right? Vision, vision, vision. If without a vision, the company's not going to go anywhere. The church isn't going to go anywhere. It's not going to do what it's supposed to do. There's got to be vision. And and this has been a, a stressful thing for me because, you know, it seems like some leaders, they just ooze vision everywhere they go. They're just visionary, you know, and everything they say it sounds like you could tweet it, you know, and it's just, wow, how do they do this? And then there's people like me that it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I've got some ideas, but I don't know which one's like the idea. And, and so I've really been wrestling and praying about that. And, and uh, I you know, feel like I'm making some progress in that area as far as our church goes. And I, I've had a passion for a long time to see the church be the church. Like, not for people just to go to church, but to actually be the church, you know. And, and we that's part of this whole circles thing. I was... When we launched that, I mentioned something about I would rather have 12 disciples than 1,200 attenders any day of the week. You know, I, I think 12 disciples can accomplish more in a year than 1,200 attenders will in, in their lifetime. And, and so just a passion to see that. And so one way I've been thinking about saying that, and you can, you can be praying with me about this too, and, uh, is ordinary people living an extraordinary way. I see so much of the New Testament is about living the Jesus way. You know, it's not just about punching your ticket to heaven. It's about what you do now with your life. And, and, and are you reflecting uh, the kingdom into this world? And, and so, ordinary people living in an extraordinary way. And, and so, I've been wrestling with that. But at the same time, I do... I kind of, not as much as I should probably, but I also do pro- professional development, amateur development with my family stuff, like trying to become a better husband, trying to be a better dad. And there's lots of great resources out there on that. And sometimes, you know, when you're uh, in a marriage or you're a parent, the times that you especially go to those books are, and things are when there's a problem you're trying to fix, right? When your kid's driving you crazy, then you're like, get out the book. Strong-willed child. Here we go. And uh, so you, you, but anyway, you read up on those things and, and it comes up there too. Vision. And even some of the leadership guys I talk about will say, you need to lead your family this way too. The most effective parents have a vision for their family, of where it's going. Now, some of them, they may not say, here's my vision statement, but they have a, they have a very clear mental picture of what they want their family to look like, how they want this to work, what they want for their kids and their kids' future, and that is why they are effective in the meantime of being... And this is true for individuals' lives as well. If, if you, as a young adult, get a clear vision of who you want to be, then that's going to really inform what you do in the meantime. So, this idea of vision, and, and I was wrestling again with kind of like, what is a vision for our family? And I think I probably heard like a leadership podcast, and then I was coming home and thinking about my family and all this coalesced. And, and so I, this struck me, heaven on earth. And I wasn't thinking, I want my family just to be this spring of endless familial bliss 
where there's never a conflict and never a concern and our children are perfect and flawless and my wife smiles. And, uh, oh, I've got a low battery. We can use this. Anyway, it, it, it was a little bit more realistic than that, maybe. And, and really what I was thinking of was this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That in some sense we are to pray for And really the call of the church and the call of Christians is to live in such a way that his kingdom comes here on earth. That his will is done here on earth as it is in heaven. And that assumes that things on earth are not going as he would like them to go. And this assumes, this vision assumes that things in your family are not perfect. But that we have this task to try to as much as we can bring heaven on earth to live as though God is in charge and his will is being done in the areas that we do have influence over and so the area that you have influence over first and foremost is your own life right no you don't have more influence over any human being than you have over yourself and the second would have to be your family Right, those people that you do life with, your spouse or your, uh, you know, your siblings or your, uh, whatever the case may be, whoever you live with and spend the most time with, those people you have the most influence with beyond yourself. And so, anywhere that you have influence, then let's use that influence to help your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know if I'm brave enough to change these out. While everyone watches me. <laughs> they brought me batteries. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> Does this mean y'all stay awake better when I move around? <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. Well, Pastor, it would help if you did it right. All right. Back in business. Maybe. There we go. Awesome. So, this is where the vision came from. A fresh vision for our families. What if we put all our effort into trying to make our families, or whatever sphere you have the most influence over, and if you have influence in a kid's life, Nobody has more influence in a kid's life than a parent or a parent figure. That's even parents of teenagers when you feel like, they don't listen to me. (laughs) Studies have shown you still have the most influence over your child of anyone on the planet. And so let's use the places where we have the most influence to try and make as much of heaven come and be reflected onto earth as possible. And so I want to just talk about, over the next few weeks, some ways that we can try to reflect heaven and the way heaven works here on earth in our families, in that context. And if you aren't really a family person, you don't have kids or a spouse or whatever, I still think uh, that everyone has a chance to reflect 
a little bit of heaven onto earth in their own lives in different ways, and I think we'll all be able to find ways to apply this. The first thing we're going to talk about today, I think, is a good place to start, and that is supreme authority. This idea that we can reflect heaven on earth by talking about supreme authority. Because when you talk about God, and when you talk about Jesus, you can't talk about how heaven works and how all that work. You notice it says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because in heaven, it's done. He's the supreme authority. And he's the supreme authority here, too. And one day, every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that he is the Lord and King, and realize that. But right now, a lot of the world's in rebellion. And there's a sense in which we were all born in rebellion. And if you've got kids at home right now, you know this for a fact. Because by 15 months, usually you have your first moments of defiance. And this happens to every child. There's never been a child who was born without an ounce of defiance in their bones. That It just happens to us. We rebel against authority. We don't like authority. That's why we fought the revolution in 1776. We don't like it. Right? We don't like the IRS telling us what we can do. We, there's a lot of things we don't like. We don't like it when the teacher says no. We don't like it when our parents say no. We don't like, we're allergic to authority. That's on earth. But in heaven, God is the supreme authority. So how can we bring a little bit of heaven on earth? First, we, you know, we read in this passage, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. And that just goes to our point. We are brought into a kingdom. Kingdoms have kings, right? And, and we're not used to kings. Again, we're allergic to kings, right? We don't, we don't do kings in America, all right, we, we got rid of our king, and we like to watch him across the Atlantic Ocean. You know, now that they don't have any power, it's fun. Yay, look at the kings and the queens and all that. But we don't, we don't like this concept. But we are transferred into this kingdom. When we follow Jesus Christ, we are brought into a kingdom. And kingdoms have kings. So that's something that we kind of have to come to grips with. And, and just listen to this description. It says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, we don't do firstborn stuff around here either, because we didn't like that either, and it doesn't seem fair or whatever. In kingdoms, they do that sort of thing. And Jesus was the firstborn, and so he's large and in charge. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities... <clears throat> He's over all that. All things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn. See that first beginning keeps coming up from among the dead so that in everything he might have the what? Supremacy. Supremacy. Supreme authority. Now when I typically say supreme, I'm talking about pizza. And this is clearly a different thing. <laughs> clearly. A different, a different thing. So what does supreme really mean? If not all the toppings. <laughs> it means something else. Supreme, well, a more uh, maybe exact translation, a, a more literal one would say that 
so he himself will come to have the first place in everything. Supreme has to do with being primary, with being first, with being in large and in charge. You know, you're, you are having the first place in everything. You're the priority. You are primal if you are supreme. And it says Jesus has the supremacy. That means he comes first. Who comes first in your life? Who comes first in your family? Does Jesus have the first place in everything for your family? Does Jesus have the first place in everything for your family, for your life? You know, who would others say has the first place in your life? If you've got kids at home, or kids growing up for that matter, who would they say has first place in your life? In your family's life? If we want our lives, our families, to be a little bit of heaven on earth, then it's going to have to start by putting Jesus in the first place. But what does that even mean? So let's talk about what that looks like, what that means, how we might work this out, kind of practically speaking, in our lives. And we'll get even more practical with it next week as we kind of take it a step further and we talk about obedience, because that's a natural thing that follows after authority. But... Let's just talk about authority today and supreme authority and how this works. And this is going to be a little bit scary. You know that saying, uh, who wears the pants? (laughs) Who wears the pants in this relationship? You ever been asked that? (laughs) Well, today is probably the first time that you've ever had a pastor in the middle of church say, take your pants off. Don't do it literally. Just saying, in the context of who wears the pants... We need to take our pants off, all right, and give them to Jesus. He wears the pants if we want to do this the right way. If we want Him to be the supreme authority in our homes, then He's got to wear the pants in the big things and in the little things. What I mean by that is, I mean, the big things. Like, okay, just to give an example from my life, you know, when I was, uh, when I was, you know, at the age where you try to figure things out. And I was trying to figure out the wife thing, and I was trying to figure out the career thing. And I had my ideas, and God had his ideas. And it worked out that I really felt that God wanted me to go to Springfield, Missouri, and be a worship pastor full-time. And I wanted to stay in Oklahoma City and date Julie. (laughs) So we were at odds a little bit there. And so uh, we ended up compromising... And I went to Springfield and dated Julie. <laughs> but, uh, and God worked all that out. But, you know, I would have never done the whole ministry thing if I hadn't put God at the first place and said, you have the supreme authority, not me. Same thing here. Once we got to Springfield, we were happy in Springfield. And, uh, you know, no offense to y'all, but we liked it up there. <laughs> and uh, we didn't really know y'all so from Adam. So... You know, we were good with staying there, and we wouldn't have been here for sure if we didn't feel like God was saying to come, and if we didn't feel like we had to do it because He was the supreme authority 
for our family. Now, sometimes pastors talk about stuff like that, and it just seems so pastory. And you're like, well, that's nice for you, but uh, you know, I don't sense him telling me to go off and move somewhere crazy. So uh, I'm just a normal person here. Uh, and so if it helps any, I grew up in a family that was not a, a pastor's family. And I still grew up with the impression that Jesus was the supreme authority over the big things in my family. Because any time there was a move to be considered, any time there was a career change to be considered, any time there was a, a job opportunity, any time there was anything like that going on, I knew that my family was going to pray about it and do what we felt like God wanted us to do. That He was in charge of the big things. So you can too. And, and whatever big things come up in your life, you can decide whether God's the supreme authority or whether you're just going to work it out the way you want to work it out. And so, in the big things... Take the pants off. Give them to Jesus. Let your kids see that if you've got kids at home. Uh, and in the little things, too. Because especially if you've got kids at home, some of the things that are the biggest things to them will seem like little things to you, right? You know, it's, it's what sport they're going to play. It's what this person said about their t-shirt at school. Or, and they don't ever want to wear that t-shirt again. Just throw it away. It's not cool. You know, it could be something that small. It could be, you know, as they get older, who they're going to date, how they're going to date. All those kinds of questions come up. And they're big things to them at that moment in their life. And so, pray about those things with them. Teach them that we have a supreme authority. So that's the first thing, the first step towards practically applying this in your family's life is to take the pants off, give them to Jesus. Now, for the parents... This is going to come as a welcome relief. I'm going to tell you to put your pants back on. <laughs> put your pants back on. If we're going to reflect heaven on earth, it's, part of that is about modeling that in front of our kids, right? Of showing them what that looks like. That, yeah, mom and dad have, a, have an authority figure too. We have a supreme authority. Uh, but it's also teaching them what authority is and how you correspond with someone in authority. And that comes by you being the authority in their life. You are their supreme authority. Now how does this work? And this is where the pants analogy kind of breaks down, right? Because how do you have your pants off and your pants on at the same time? It doesn't work good. And so let's get some advice from a guy that I think had it figured out. And this was Paul, and he didn't have kids of his own, but he had what he called spiritual children. And this is something he said to them. He said, follow my example... As I follow the example of Christ. In other words, follow me as I follow Jesus. So here's how this works for us. You let your kids see you answering to God. And then you make sure that they answer to you. And in this way, they grow up with a healthy understanding of what supreme authority looks like and how that works. And then they also see you answering to a supreme authority. And when they become adults, they understand how it works. How do we expect our kids to know how to treat God as the supreme authority when they don't know how to deal with authority, period? And that's the generation that we have coming up in so many ways, right? Because there's so many kids right now who don't know what authority is. They've been given authority. In many cases. Ask any teacher in the public schools. Ask them how much kids know about authority when they get to school. I'm telling you, we do our kids a disservice. If we're trying to bring heaven on earth, 
If we're just trying to do earth on earth, then you're fine. Do whatever. But if you're trying to bring heaven on earth and reflect that, and you want your child to have a healthy understanding of supreme authority so that when they're an adult, they respect God the way that they should, then they've got to respect you first. And you've got to be that person in their life. So what does that look like for you and for your family? How do we make sure that our kids understand this? You know, when uh, I, I want to just say, especially dads. And this is not meant as a, as a sexist remark, but as a note in, that in our culture... Dads have been, in many cases, kicked to the curb. Now, in some cases, dads have kicked themselves to the curb, or left, or gotten out of the picture, or whatever the case. But for every dad who's in the picture, and like you, should, like you ought to be, I just want to say, be the supreme authority in your kids' lives. And I say that especially to you, because if I say that to both the, to dads and to moms, I think there's two different physical reactions, you know, like a physiological reaction. I don't know what you ladies feel, but I don't think it's the same thing as us guys feel, because guys, there's like a little bit of a swelling of the chest that happens, and we're like, yeah, man, I'll be the supreme authority, <laughs> you know. We're wired that way, so many of us, most of us are. We're wired to be that, oh, it's going to be my way, <laughs> you know. We, we just have that in us, naturally. And our society has tried to weed that out of our families in so many cases. And that, you know, dad's too gruff. Dad's too rough. Dad is just about loving and nurturing and so forth. And, and we need dads back in the game. So I'm just telling you, be the supreme authority that your kids need. Moms, you're the authority too. I'm not leaving you out of this. Don't leave it all to dad. You don't be a pushover either. But we've got to get back to having supreme authority in the home. And a lot of kids, historically speaking, have learned what that looks like from their dads. The most of all. Anybody in here learn that from their dad? Most of all? A lot of us did. So, dads and moms. Take your pants off and then put your pants back on. Make sure God's in charge of you and that He's calling the shots and that you're yielding to Him and you're praying about the big decisions and the little things with your kids. Make sure your kids see that He's the supreme authority. And then you make sure that they see that you are their supreme authority so that they learn how that works and they have a healthy respect for authority. Now the good thing about all this is who would you rather have in authority than someone like this. For he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body of the church. The beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. We were also told that he rescued us, right? From the dominion of darkness and brought us into light. So that we have redemption, forgiveness of sins. We're told God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. If I'm going to submit to someone in authority, I want to submit to someone like that. Someone who already submitted himself to death for me. Because he loves me that much. And maybe that's something worth mentioning too when we talk about authority. We're not just talking about that thing that happens in dad's chest. He's like, yeah. It's 
grounded in love. We are authority figures for our kids because of our love for them. And our authority must be characterized and shaped by that love. That we always have our kids' best interest in mind. Just like God always had our best interest in mind when he made Jesus the king. And when Jesus came and was willing to submit to death even on a cross. So that we'd have forgiveness of sins and we could have a better life. So we have a good king. We have a good king, amen? So let's submit to him. And may heaven be reflected on earth. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for being in charge. (laughs) You certainly know what a mess we make of it when we try to be in charge. Sometimes we still pretend we're in charge. And that always gets us into trouble. We ask your forgiveness for that. Teach us to trust trust in Jesus, to submit, to respect, and teach us to model this before the kids in our lives. Give us wisdom in how to reflect you to them, heaven on earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say one more thing. If you are here today and you've never really submitted yourself to God's authority, in that way there's no one better. There's no better authority to submit yourself to than Jesus Christ for all the reasons just stated and more. And if you would like a better way of life, if you would like to experience forgiveness and a right relationship with God, Jesus is the way to do it. And just begin by submitting yourself to Him today.